Would you put them over your heart? Say this with me. This is my Bible. God's written living word to me. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might behold wonderful things from your law. Amen. Today we're going to talk for a few moments about the subject of how to listen to the Holy Spirit. This is part four in our series entitled The Holy Spirit, You Are Not Alone. And our text is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 16. Would you join me there? John's Gospel, chapter 16. I'm going to begin reading in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come now look at this carefully when the spirit of truth comes that's the Holy Spirit he he's a person he will guide you he will guide you into all truth. Now count them. Count the times that it says that our relationship with the Holy Spirit involves him talking to us. Ready? For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come verse 14 he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you well depending on your translation that word declare is also translated speak he'll speak them to you I counted five times altogether in two verses Whenever there's something, whenever there's a thought emphasized that much in that short a span of verses, God wants us to really pay attention. The Holy Spirit is constantly speaking. Now, join me in the book of Romans, chapter 8. And I'd like to read verse 14. When you get there, give me a shout. <laughs> oh I thought I'd try that old Pentecostal stuff doesn't work very well for me I don't know why verse 14 for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God that speaks of a relationship with the Holy Spirit How many of you have ever used the word led in reference to being directed somewhere? Maybe it was a mistake. I was misled. <laughs> but oftentimes it's, well, he led me to believe or I was directed, I was led to go. The Holy Spirit leads us. How does he lead us? He speaks to us. He's constantly speaking. Mm. There's something in there. 
That means I need to be listening, and that's the reason we've titled this How to Listen to the Holy Spirit. How does God speak to us? Well, he speaks through the Bible. He speaks through gifted teachers. He speaks through impressions that we get. He can speak through difficulties in our lives, certainly. Job chapter 33, verse 14. God does speak sometimes one way and sometimes another, even though people may not understand it. See, those who don't understand this Bible concept of being led by God and that the Holy Spirit actually speaks to us fail to have the most significant part of what Christianity really offers, a relationship. How many of you are in a meaningful relationship? Could I see your hands? All right. Question. How many of you would continue to be in that relationship if you of the two people were the only one that ever talked or expressed any emotion or feeling or thoughts? How long would that relationship last? Probably not very long. It's called divorce. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, whether it's on the job or in a marriage or... God forbid, in our relationship with God. It's called a divorce. Not one he initiates, one we often initiate because we had these expectations, but then Christianity became boring. And the reason Christianity becomes boring is because we're not being led by the Holy Spirit. See, God wired us to talk to him. Think about that. You... You were created with an ability to tune in to God. You're wired to hear him. You have a Holy Spirit transistor built into you. And he just loves talking to you. Because he's crazy about you. Now, in the Old Testament, we... We see this happening many, many times where God would speak and God would lead. Problem is that today in Christianity, we often think that God leading people, God talking to people is simply a sort of an Old Testament thing. It's sort of spooky. We don't do that today. How many of you know God talked to Adam in the garden and Eve? Person to person, face to face. How many of you know that he talked to Moses? Gave him the Ten Commandments. How about Noah? Noah, build me an ark. Isn't that cool? We got a new movie coming out on the life of Noah. Isn't that cool? I think that's going to be fantastic. Made by Hollywood, by the way. Yeah. Looks like it's going to be a good one. God spoke to Adam, to Noah, to Moses. He used the prophets to speak. He used the Urim and the Thummim to speak. He used dreams and visions. He used the vehicle of a fleece, a sheepskin, goatskin. He spoke audibly. Jeff, what do you mean the Urim and the Thummim? Well, those were two stones that were kept in the breastplate, the ornate breastplate of the high priest. And they could pull them out and roll them like dice. And there were times when they were trying to hear from the Lord that they'd take the the human and the thurman out and they would 
toss them like dice. And however they fell, well, then that would help them make their decision. I used to do something similar as a young Christian. I'd get my Bible. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd pray, Lord, yeah, just like this. I'd have it like this, and I'd say, Lord, would you speak to me through your word right now? This is really a difficult situation in my life. I just need you to speak to me. And I'd allow it just to pop open. And Lord, the first verse I read, I'm just trusting it's going to be you. Yeah, kind of rolling the dice. Unfortunately, I did that twice in a row one time and just did not feel comfortable with the direction it gave me. The first verse said, and Judas went out and hanged himself. And the second verse said, and you go, go and do likewise. <laughs> so I just, you know, I felt like, well, you know, maybe this doesn't work. Maybe God wants me to have a better way of following him than this. This just doesn't work. Now we come up to the New Testament and we find that the testimony of the New Testament is that God is still speaking. God is still leading us. He still desires that dynamic relationship with us. Jesus said in John's gospel, chapter 11, verse 41 and 42, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they might believe that you sent me. See, that's the testimony of the New Testament. That Jesus had a relationship with the Father that was living and present and alive and real and vibrant. The apostles experienced very much the same thing in Acts chapter 13. They were praying, they were fasting, and it says, The Holy Spirit said, Now separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. They did, they laid hands on them, and they sent them out on their first missionary. The Holy Spirit said. So what methods of God speaking to us have carried over from the Old Testament? Any of the ones that we read above? The Urman and the Thuman? No, not in the New Testament. How about visions and dreams? Sure, those kept occurring into the New Testament and they're a viable way of God speaking still today. How about through a fleece? How many of you have ever laid a fleece before the Lord? Now this was where in the Old Testament they would take an animal skin that was dry. Gideon did this. He had a very difficult decision to make. And so he took that fleece and he put it outside of his tent and he prayed. And he said, Lord, when I get up in the morning, if the ground all around the fleece is wet, but the fleece is dry, I'll know you're speaking to me and I'll know what direction to go. He went to bed. He got up the next morning. The ground all around the fleece was wet. And the fleece was dry. You know what he did? <laughs> he did it again. He wasn't convinced. I mean, come on. Hello? Anybody, 
Anybody identify? I mean, the Lord seems to answer very clearly what we even prayed. But we're not convinced. So he said, oh, Lord, just once more. I'll put the fleece out. And if in the morning the fleece is soaked, but all the ground around, as far as I can see, is dry, then I'll know you're speaking to me. Well, he got up and, of course, the fleece was soaked and the ground all around it was was wet or dry and Gideon went ahead and continued does God use that today well now could God use something like that today a fleece well of course he could but does he want you and me to depend on those kind of things isn't there something more realistic something more vibrant something more sure built on relationship that God wants us to have with him than laying out a fleece yes there is how about opened and closed doors well you know God shut the door or I just feel like God's opened that door well that is referred to in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8 how that doors are shut, doors are closed. Paul refers to this in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit closed the doors or the opportunities. He was started to go one direction and the Holy Spirit just held him up and seemed to close the door. He started to go another direction, therefore, and the Holy Spirit stopped him and said no and seemed to close the door on that, so he went a different direction. And it was the third choice that was God. Here's the problem with being led by your circumstances and closed doors and open doors. Proverbs 20 and verse 30. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. In other words, okay. If God needs to get our attention through a circumstance, he certainly can. And we certainly should be sensitive and listening to what God is saying to us in the midst of our trouble. But keep in mind, according to James, in chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, it is not God that tests man. Neither can he be tempted or tested with evil. In fact, James says, but when you're tested, when you're tried... Count it all joy, for it's an opportunity to use your faith. Stay on the word instead of your feelings and circumstances and stand up under. It's the word hupomeno, to stand up under when you're facing trial and circumstance. Now, can God speak to you in the trial while you're standing up under? Yes, he clearly does. But is God leading you through circumstances and closed doors? No, you have something much better than that. The two primary ways in which God leads us today is through his word and by his spirit. Psalm 119 and verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How many of you had, and you don't need to raise your hand, I'm just... How many of you this week experienced something where, boy, it sure would have been helpful if you could have seen more clearly, if the right way would have been brighter, if there sort of would have been a light, you know, wouldn't that be cool if like the heavens opened and this beam of light just came and, 
and shown on the right way to go. (laughs) And yet the Bible says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. I wonder, when you were in the middle of that circumstance, when you were trying to make that tough decision this week, did you turn to the Bible? Did you involve God's word in that decision? Next, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. I love that training part. And you know that teaching part, that God's called me to be a teacher. I struggle with the rebuking and correcting. That's no fun. (laughs) How many of you know that God rebukes and corrects with the word? Hmm? God rebukes and corrects as well as teaches and instructs. Secondly, he leads us by a spirit. I told you he primarily leads us in the New Testament today, in the New Covenant, by two things, his word and his spirit. We're Romans chapter 8, verse 14. We read it. For all who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. John 16 and verse 13. Or excuse me, verse 3. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Wow. Wow. Could, could we just do something? W- would you participate with me in something this morning? Could you just lift a, lift a hand? I mean, even if it's sort of half mass, <laughs> that's okay. Just, it, it's sort of surrender. It, it's, a, it's a symbol and it's a sign, a gesture of surrender. Could you just say this? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit I, am willing, I am willing from this morning forward, this morning forward to receive guidance. In all my decisions, in all my my ways, ways. from you. you. When's the last time we did that? When's the last time in the middle of a circumstance, in the middle of a big decision, we just turned to John 16.3, Read, but when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He'd never lead you wrongly. He'd never lead you into a lie or something that was hurtful for you. Never. When's the last time we pulled out the word and then just went before the Lord and said, Lord, you know, your word says right here in John 16, 3, that you will guide me. So. Holy Spirit, you know the circumstances I'm facing. You know the decision I need to make. The Bible says right here that you will guide me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I yield to your guidance. It's all so simple. It really is. It's very, very simple. All right. Let's... Let's take just a few minutes here before we go today and talk about how, how do we actually listen 
to the Holy Spirit. How can I know that he's talking to me? Well, first, we've got to understand that we ourselves are a triune being. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in an earth suit, my body. Understanding that helps me relate to the fact that the Bible says God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him, must communicate with him, must develop their relationship with him in spirit and in truth. You cannot understand nor have a relationship with nor be led by God on the basis of your mind alone. God will use your mind, but you've got to relate to him with your spirit. That's why people who are not born again have difficulty reading and understanding the Bible. That's why people who aren't born again have difficulty developing a close relationship with God. In fact, they reject that normally and turn inward and say, I am God. I am all I need. I need nothing externally. The reason that happens is because we're trying to relate to God through our mind rather than our spirit. So understand Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. Let me give you the five primary ways in which you can listen to and hear the Holy Spirit as he is guiding you all right ready number one the inward witness we call it the inward witness Romans chapter 8 and verse 16 Romans chapter 8 and verse 16 the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God the new living translation says for the spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children the new century version says it this way and the spirit himself joins with our spirits to say we are God's children you see here's the difference in the old covenant the anointing, the presence of God came outwardly upon people, but he did not dwell inwardly in them. The difference for the New Testament believer is that the Holy Spirit both comes on us. He does both. He comes on us externally, yes, but now he lives in me and speaks to me and he bears witness the scripture says he witnesses to me to my spirit that I'm going in the right direction some people call it a a check or a caution you know I just pastor I was praying about that direction or I was praying about that decision and I just I just got a check in my spirit have you ever said something like that? I just got a caution that I shouldn't proceed. You know what that is? That's the inward witness. That's the Holy Spirit just saying, whoa, 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 
Wait, just, he's bearing witness with your spirit. Kenneth Hagin used to uh, talk about it like this. It's the, quote, velvety-like feeling in your spirit. The green light, the go-ahead signal, end quote. Paul addresses this again in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, this leading, by the way, is just as supernatural as any other kind of leading, including visions and dreams. It's just not as spectacular. And so a lot of people don't pay attention to it. I want a vision. I want a dream. I I want a word. I want a prophecy. We need to listen and learn to listen to that inward witness that gives us that green light or that no, don't go ahead, because that's the Holy Spirit witnessing to our spirit. All right, number two, the inward voice, the inward voice, or some people call it your conscience. Romans chapter 9 and verse 1, reading from the New American Standard, I'm telling you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. Here's the amplified translation of that verse. I am not lying. My conscience, enlightened and prompted by the Holy Spirit, bears witness with me. See, your spirit can speak to you. Your conscience, your conscience is part of your spirit, man. It's not simply your thought life. Your conscious self, a man's conscience, is not merely his mind or his thoughts. It's that It's part of that inward most being that we would qualify as the spirit. Not the Holy Spirit, your spirit. Now the Holy Spirit will work with your spirit. We read that here. But this is your spirit speaking. It's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Not the Holy Spirit. My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Now, watch the connection here between your spirit and your thought life. Romans chapter 2, verse 15, pardon me. Romans chapter 2, verse 15 from the New American Standard Translation. They show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. You see the relationship? Their conscience stops them and tells them, this is wrong. And then that voice, that inward voice, comes up into your thought life and says, don't do it. And when you ignore that, This is what the Bible calls violating your conscience. If you keep violating those inward thoughts and conscience, the scripture says that you can have a seared conscience eventually to where you just no longer accept right or wrong. This is what happens, of course, in the life of some individuals who are repeat offenders and they just seem to have no conscience whatsoever. They, they can be in a courtroom hearing their offenses against mankind, including even murder, 
and show no remorse. How? How could you sit in a courtroom and have family member after family member rehearse how you took a life, murdered their child, and sit there without a tear, without remorse? Your conscience has been seared because you rejected that relationship between the inward voice and your thought life. Now, number three, the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, I told you there were five. There's four I'm going to give you. This is number three, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10 and verse 19. I wonder if somebody would stand, please, and read that aloud. And could we have the... uh, I'll bring you the microphone. Who can find Acts chapter 10? Did I say 19? I meant 10. Acts chapter 10, please. Find verse 19. Now, while they're finding that, somebody else find Acts chapter 13. And, and if you could bring it down off the screen, Jeff, I, I want us to just look in the Word of God and I want someone to read it from the Word of God. Not that that's not the Word of God, but that, that would be too simple. I want you to look it up in your Bible. Acts chapter 10. Who has it? Jim, would you read it aloud, please? While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Stop. Read it again. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Now read the part that's really important there and emphasize it. Go back. Read it again. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Stop. Emphasize. Okay. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, (laughs) (laughs) See? See what I go through? This is really, when I study, this is what I go through. I read it. Start. While Peter thought about the vision. I stop. When Peter thought. When Peter thought. When Peter thought about the vision. There was a vision. When Peter thought about the vision. The Spirit said to him. The Spirit. He had a relationship (laughs) with the Spirit. The Spirit. Said to him. Wait. Said. The Holy Spirit spoke. <laughs> While Peter was in a vision, the Holy, our visions for today, God can use them. Yes. But in the middle of that vision, the Holy Spirit said, said. to him, to him. <laughs> you will never read the Bible again the same way, will you? <laughs> Who found Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2? Doug. And two. Yes, please. Now there were at the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas. Who was there? Excuse me. Prophets and teachers. Okay, good. Barnabas and Barnabas, Simeon. Simeon. Oh, don't go through the list. Okay. Well, all them. It's a bunch of brothers. All them people. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, while they were doing what? Worshiping the Lord. What were these brothers doing? Worshiping the Lord and fasting. Worshiping Lord, we love you. We love you. We worship you. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Lord. We love you. Okay. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, "What?" 
The Holy Spirit said. Who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit? Yes. Then did what? Said. The Holy Spirit said. Do you read your Bible this way? You ought to. It's not just a nice story. You know, it, it's not just a book like you would read any other book just to get through it. We are talking about the Bible, God's Word to us. Go on. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work with, to which I have called them. Okay. See, when the Holy Spirit speaks, this is the third way that we listen. It's more authoritative. Samuel experienced this. He and the man of God, priest, went to bed for the evening. Samuel was tending to the things in the temple. He was, a mentor, he was being mentored by Eli, Eli the priest. They went to bed that night, and all of a sudden, Samuel heard a voice. He thought it was Eli calling him from the next room. He got up. He went in, woke Eli up, and said, Yes, my Lord. Eli said, I didn't call you. <laughs> that happened two more times. And on the third time, being awakened by Samuel, Eli said, look, <laughs> if it happens again, just sit there and say, here I am, Lord. Speak. <laughs> Quit waking me up. Develop a relationship with God where you listen to him for yourself. Is that Bible? See, when God speaks to you by His Spirit, that's the creator of the universe. You're hosting His presence, talking to you. And it, it's very authoritative. It's not just an inward witness, okay? It, it's not your conscience. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. John chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Speaking about Jesus now. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. How many of you are sheep? No. Bah. Bah. Right? I'm a sheep. I'm pleased to be a sheep. Lord, I am one of your sheep. Thank you that you speak to me. And I, I know your voice. I don't miss it. You know, the Bedouins in the East, when, when the Bedouins in, in Asia and places like Israel and Jordan and the, those Eastern countries still today call their sheep, those sheep literally know the voice of their shepherd because there's other shepherds in the area with other flocks calling their flocks too. How come Doug's sheep 
don't run to my sheepfold when I'm calling them and I may be over the hill out of sight grazing my sheep and now it's time to go and I call out to my sheep how come Doug's sheep who are just around the corner drinking don't run to me when I call because they know my voice from Doug's voice and that's what Jesus is saying look you do not need to be afraid of this this is not spooky you're my child you're my sheep I speak to you my voice you hear it you know it follow it you're safe you're good and then finally being led by the word of God the word of God will cause us to listen more acutely and sharply to the Holy Spirit. God's word is his will. John chapter 14 and verse 23. Who can find that? John 14, John chapter 14, verse 23. Lila, would you please read that aloud? You don't have to turn that on. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. How do you know if you love Jesus? What's one of the tests, one of the proofs that I really love Jesus? I follow his word. I read it, I digest it, I embrace it, it's his will, Lord I'm going to do it. Did you know you do not need to pray and ask God about certain things that are clearly told to you in the Bible? You never have to pray about those things. Why? Never. I'm going to give you several things here. How many do I have? I'm going to give you three or four things here that you should never pray about because they are God's will. Never ask God what his will is concerning these things. Number one, sharing Jesus Christ with a friend or a neighbor or a co-worker. Now, you might pray about the particulars of when and Lord give me the words to say those kind of things but should you well you don't have to pray about that Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 and 19 and Jesus said to them all authority in heaven and on, on and on earth is given unto me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Do you know you never have to pray Lord if it be your will fill me with the Holy Spirit Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 and don't get drunk with wine for that's debauchery but be filled with the Holy Spirit if we were to put that in modern vernacular today we'd say it this way and don't smoke joints or get loaded on pot for that is debauchery you come under the control of some other substance but rather be under the control, be possessed by and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how that would read today. <laughs> Did you know that you don't have to ever pray if it's God's will to heal you? Lord, if it's your will, you, you can heal me. You should never pray that. 
Third John verse two, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. Mark chapter one, verse 40 and 41. A man came to Jesus and he said this, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I am willing, be clean. God declared it once for all. His will is that we be in health, that we be healed. Now, you can pray about the particulars of it. You can pray about the gifts that are necessary. You can pray about uh, how he wants to get you that healing and where you need to be to receive it. But never pray about whether it's his will to heal you. Did you know you should never pray about whether or not you should go to church? Never. Stop praying that. You're in doubt and unbelief. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. Not neglecting the meeting together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day of the Lord drawing near. should never pray about going to church. You just decide. I will be in church this Sunday. Come hell or high water. Right? That's the saying. Well, now... Today it would be come snow or the football game. You know, we, we have to get over to our friend's house because we've got to, you know, we've got to start early. We're going to have a, we're going to have a driveway party, you know, the whole neighborhood's turning out, right? You, you don't have to pray. Lord, is it, is it your will that I go to that and be with my neighbors or, or be in church service this morning? Did you know you never should pray about hooking up with an unbeliever in marriage? 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? You know, it's just very simple. Mature ones exercise the word and they live by it. Mature Christians exercise the word, they listen to it, and they just do it. Those are four ways that you can listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, next week, Pastor Nina is going to be in the pulpit, and she's going to take this whole area of guidance and being led by the Holy Spirit, and she's going to talk about it from the standpoint of the prophetic, not pathetic, the, the prophetic the supernatural and the gift of prophecy and how the Holy Spirit works in our life prophetically, supernaturally to lead us and to direct us. That's going to be exciting. Let's stand. If you have children in the